This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Romans uh, chapter 12, we're going to read that passage. Many of you won't even need to open that because you've got it memorized, but it's one of those passages that just gets a lot of traffic. And um, But Romans chapter 12, we're going to read it from a little bit of a different verse uh, version today. And um, it reads like this, then we'll pray. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. I think that's an interesting choice of words. I, uh, King James says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I plead with you. This is so important that I I pour my heart out to try to get you to learn what I'm trying to tell you. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. How many of you know God's done good things for you? Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable, that's important to notice, the kind he will find acceptable, the kind he will find what? Acceptable, because this is truly the way to worship him. Let's bow our heads today. Father, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for your presence and for your power and for your spirit. I pray today, Lord, that you will speak to us, and Lord, that you will help us to become all that you have chosen us to be. Let us be a righteous people, full of the anointing of God, and full of the presence of God, and full of the grace of God. Lord, let us become just instruments in your hand for this generation. Help us, Lord, to arise in this hour of faith. Lord, pour out faith, measure faith to us, for it is important. And we love you, and we serve you, and we praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. I want to bring you this message, Six Seconds of Faith, today, and I want us to focus on this passage for just a few moments as we begin. Today, as we, we think about this passage, I, I think that it's important that we understand what God is saying to us. And we've been studying for several weeks around here what it means to uh, have faith, what it means to battle doubt. And how many of us would be honest and, and say, we've talked about doubt and anxiety, that we, we've struggled with doubt and anxiety. Let me see your hand. The majority of us in this place, overwhelming majority of us, the few that probably didn't raise their hand and probably dealing with it greatly at this moment. They were a little too anxious to raise their hand. But today, I want to talk with you about uh, some very key and important parts uh, to uh, this passage. Now, this this is interesting because uh, this passage is referring to becoming uh, pleasing to God. And I think that it's really important for us to notice that in this passage, what we see here is God says, I want you to give me your bodies, okay? How many of you know that that we, we want to give God our heart, but we have a hard time giving him the rest of us? There's sides of who we are that don't want to submit, that don't want to become, that don't want to embrace 
who God wants us to be. God has chosen us and he's called us and he's anointed us to be his righteous children and he wants us to become people who embrace him in the way that he desires to be embraced. And so he says, I want it to go more than just to your speech deep. I want it to go into your actions, the way you respond, the way you move, the way that you, 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 you carry yourself in this world. Now, I don't know if you've come to understand it or not, but somebody's watching you. If you've got children, just wait a minute. They're going to remind you of yourself at some point. Have you ever had one of those moments that you thought, I would strangle this child if they did not remind me so much of myself right this second? Sometimes they reflect our negative faults and our positive faults, they reflect the different sides of who we are in our characters. But what we have to understand is that somebody's watching us and God is setting us up for people to be able, watch, watch what I'm about to say, to, to join us in our sacrifice. To watch how we change our lives so that it can change their lives. Now, when it says that I present to you, I, I, I present you, therefore, brother, I plead with you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. I think we have to notice something about a sacrifice. There were a couple of things about sacrifices. Sacrifices, some sacrifices that you're going to make, nobody's going to ever see. I think that's important. You know, the Bible says when you make a sacrifice to do good unto someone else, you're supposed to do it in a manner so that, that what that your right hand doesn't know what your left hand's doing or your left hand doesn't know what your right hand's doing. Let me just ask you, is that possible? Is it possible for your right hand not to know what your left hand's doing? Because if it's possible, I think my right hand's been in the little Debbie box far too long. Come on, amen. But I don't believe it's possible. But the reality is that was a phrase that was used in, in the day that Jesus was speaking that they understood. It was a local colloquialism. It was a local phrase. It's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, I thought I was raised uh, country until I moved up into this community. And the first time I, I remember I was on a date with somebody and, and, and they looked out and they said this. They said, Yens, come here. I thought this date's not going well. She doesn't know my name. Yens, so my name's Don, she laughed at me. I didn't know what Yens meant. Or sort of like, how many of you are, 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 you're, you're, you're born into this, this southern accent? Can I see your hand? All right. How many of, does anybody know the phrase, well, shoot fire? What does that mean? I don't think any of us have a clue what that even means. But yet we say it because it's a local colloquialism. It's a, it's a local phrase that we use. We don't even know what it means, but it, it's just part of, of, of where we are. Well, when Jesus said to them, don't let your right hand or left hand know what the other hand is doing when you do good, do good. He wasn't saying it's, it's something that's impossible for us. It was actually a phrase that meant this. It meant don't stop long enough to applaud yourself while you're doing it. 
Now you see, what he's saying is, if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, even private things you do, if you do them to make public spectacles, then there's a problem. But the reality is, even in those private moments, there's times that we, ha- we help people and we make private sacrifices, but when you become a living sacrifice, all sacrifices that meant something had to die were always done in a very public place. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that they were done on the highest hill, on a altar set up on the highest hill, so you're not only going up as high as you can go, then you're building a mound on top of that, and the sacrifice that would be made had to be made publicly. So what we're talking about today is we've been talking about how to overcome doubt, how to overcome anxiety, and I think part of the problem is that most of us never have the ability to step into our faith, to begin to walk out our faith, because we kind of keep it this private little matter, and my faith is a private matter. But as long as your faith is a private matter, you have not yet begun to try to fulfill the reality of what faith is. Faith is what pulls what I believe on the inside of me and brings it into the world that I'm having to interact with around me. And so what God is saying here in this passage, go back to this passage. I had to tell them, stay with me now. I want you to see this. This is important. That what he's saying is, I want you to do something in light of what God's already done for you. This is what I want you to do. This is what God wants you to do. He wants you to bring your faith screaming from the private places in your life into the public areas of your life. Now listen to this. This is so important. And some of you go, well, Pastor, I just practiced my faith. I'm here on Sunday morning. I'm practicing my faith. I, I, I sung a song. I'm practicing my faith. And those are baby steps in the kingdom of heaven. But those are not the reality of what I've come to preach to you about today. Those may be baby steps in the kingdom of heaven. But I want you to see what it says. He says you will, that if you will live your life in such a way that it pleases God, that you make the sacrifice necessary to change the way you act, the way you think, the way you respond, what you say to others... If you'll do that, then God can, in such a way, take that as a sacrifice of praise that that becomes, watch this, the true way to worship Him. Now, how many of you know the true way to worship God? I mean, how many of you worship differently than others? I mean, think about that. I mean, some people are loud. Somebody came up to me the other other evening, and they said, why did you just yell at me for an hour? And I said, what do you mean, why did I yell at you for an hour? They said, I, I said, you're talking about the volume of the voice? And they said, well, I'm talking about the, the intensity with which you were addressing the very private areas of my life. And I said, well, I didn't know that. And, and, and they said, but yet, yet that's what I, I felt. And I said, it's not that I'm yelling at you. It's that the Word of God becomes like a fire shut in my bones, and, and I don't care who you are. I mean, I was the kid in class that when I spoke in middle school, I'll talk to our middle school teacher on this, when I spoke in middle school, I always got in trouble, though everybody else was talking, because when I spoke, it boomed. When I was a middle school kid, I hated calling my friends houses, because I'd call, and I'd say, hey, can I speak to such and such? And people would say, who is this man calling you? And then it got worse. There are a couple of moms who would say, talk to me a little while before you. (laughs) I was like... Awkward. And they'd hand the phone finally over. You know, that's who I am. But that might not be who you are. You might be quiet in your worship. I mean, some, some of us, we get excited. 
Some bow their heads in reverence. Some lift their hands. I mean, people do that differently. It starts here. It goes here. But when joy gets in your soul, come on, do me a touchdown signal. Would you do that right now? Would you do me a touchdown? Somebody go, "Mm -mm, I'm not doing it. I'm not telling you that's how you have to worship. But I am telling you, I don't care how you worship, just worship. But it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I mean, I can't dance like these ones that got up here and danced today. But you say, well, pastor, should I dance for Jesus? Let me just go ahead and tell you, if you used to dance for the devil, you ought to be dancing for Jesus. I know that sounds funny, but you see, the difference is when I dance, people think I've got a devil. Not got the plan for my life. I was in the kitchen one day and I was going to do a little dance and threw my right knee out. You see, it's not a matter of whether me trying to be someone else. It's am I doing my best to honor God with who I am? Am I doing my best to serve God right where I am? For you see, when we talk about faith, faith's really more about the way your, your daily walk than it is about your daily talk. Because, listen to what I'm about to say to you, somebody's watching you. I try not to pick on my kids too much, but the danger is when you are in a pastor's home, it's always sermon material. The other day we were driving down the road and one of my children was in the car with me. And the person in front of me needed to have their driver's license suspended. (laughs) They did not know what it meant to go, to turn on a blinker to get out of the way. And this is what I've heard from the other side of the car. He's shaking his head because he knows I'm talking about him. He heard, I believe in you. That's what I heard. I believe in you. You can do it. You can do it. And I looked over and I just shook my head because I couldn't rebuke him because he was me at the moment. Because he's heard me say that many times. You can do it. Just, just put the gas to the floor. Does this sound like any of you? Get out of the left lane. See, people, I'm touching where you're living now. I heard my own words. Somebody's watching you. But could it be that it's not just the negative areas of our life that they could pick up? What if it was our stand of faith? What if it was what we do when nobody else is watching? What if it's what we say when we get knocked down and we get discouraged and we get hurt and we get wounded? What if it's those moments that they could somehow mirror? If it's those moments that they could somehow embrace? What if it's those moments of our lives that that they could say, I saw the way you lived your faith and I borrowed your faith. And it helped me find my own. I want you to know that we're in a season of Marking a season of time 
that that will determine so much for the rest of our lives. What you do today is going to determine so much. It's been a big year for us. I thought about, you know, it's uh, been a lot of things. We've adjusted to a lot of things in our world this year, and we've tried to figure out these new navigation points of what we're going to do about this and how we're going to respond to this. And, I mean, I had to learn that one of my jokes was not funny. Every time I, every time people say, how are you doing? I say, well, if I get over this cough and fever. It almost got me thrown out of the grocery store one day. I said, mm, note to self, don't ever do that again. Guess what? We've learned so much this year. But every year will be marked by something. This year, the Olympics that occurred will, will probably be marked in a 50 years from now as the year that everyone wore masks and no one was allowed to be there and spectate. Every year has some kind of a mark. Well, I'm going to take you back in time for just a moment to 1968. In 1968, many of us were not yet alive. In 19, I couldn't say that in the first service today. Come on. Amen. But in 1968, the Olympics games occurred in, anybody know? Mexico. In Mexico City. During that year, there were so many significant things that happened. It's called one of the most memorable Olympics of all. People made political stands. People made all kinds of charges. But that year, when those charges, when those, when that year was finished, there was one moment that was considered and is still talked about today by many. Listen to me carefully. There is one moment that even Sports Illustrated says was one of the top 19 greatest of all time sports moments in history. Very few of you even know what occurred. This moment was down at the long jump pavilion area. There was a gold medalist standing there, actually two former gold medalists. There was the current world record holder, and then there was a guy by the name of Bob Bamon, or Baymon. Bob Baymon was standing there with all of the greats of the long jumping world and he would pull off an upset that would flip things upside down for this Olympics. You see, this moment that would upset things only took, listen to me, 19 steps. How many? 19 steps. In 19 steps, he planted his right foot. He flew more than six feet into the air, he threw his arms back and landed in the pit. The whole thing, all 19 steps, jumping all, only took six seconds. But it took more than 20 minutes to measure the results of a six-second jump. Why? Because when they had installed the electronic measuring device that ran the length of the long jump pit, Bob Bowman outjumped it. They had established it based on somebody possibly breaking the world record of 27 feet, but this man didn't break it, he obliterated it. 
You see, the 27-foot world record had been broken by 13 times over the past few years before that, and every time that it was broken, the average was only a two and a half inch increase. Two and a half increments at a time, people were moving forward. But when Bob Bowman jumped, he obliterated the world record by more than two feet. No one else in the competition even reached the world record of 27 feet, but Bob Bowman landed 29 feet and two and a half inches and destroyed the world record. Now here's the story behind the story and why I've chosen to share it with you this morning. Why I'm tying it into you living publicly because somebody's watching you. One of Bob Bowman's teammates was, by, was a man by the name of Ralph Boston. He had won the Olympic gold in 1960, been defeated in the, the in between games, and listen to me, and he was the current favorite and the current world record holder to move it forward, and he was going to be most likely the Olympic gold medalist. Even in that Olympics, he was way ahead of everyone else. But Ralph Boston had a better plan. Ralph Boston, listen to what I'm about to tell you, did not need to be the hero of his own story. Ralph Boston rather loved what he did. He loved the art of long jumping. And his goal was to better the, uh, the what they went through. His goal was to better the outcomes. His goal was to better the training. His goal was to see his record broken. And I'm not trying to interrupt my story here, but that's the kind of people I'm looking for this morning. People who are willing to climb up on an altar and sacrifice their will and their way because somebody's watching to see how that you are going to respond. Are you going to be like past generations of your family who can gave up, threw up their hands and walked away? Or are you going to stake your claim and make up your mind when this is all said and done? I'll still be serving God with all that I am. But watch this. Ralph Boston took a 22-year-old Bob Bowman under his wing and he taught him how to fly. Bowman was so nervous in the Olympics out of his three tries he fouled the first two and had one shot left. Shaking as he approached this last opportunity to not be embarrassed in front of the world, can I tell you, I understand your anxiety. I understand your worry. I understand that you're basing things on your past faults and failures. But can I remind you of what Romans 12 says? It says, not because of what I've done, but because of the grace that God has shown me. I keep going. I keep moving forward and I keep climbing on an altar. Not because I won't fail, but because God's been too good for me to give up now. Amen. As he walked shaking toward the line before he reached the point that no one could speak to him, Ralph Boston caught him 
pulled him under his arm and leaned in and whispered these words in Bob Bowman's ear. This is his statement. Take off early. You have room to spare. Give up two inches on the front and you'll take two feet when you land. He said, your legs have never been as strong as they are right now at this moment. Your body weighs nothing. Your mind has wings. Use them. Fly up and fly out. And that is exactly what Bob Bowman did. But it was not to his tune. It was rather to the script that Ralph Boston had written for him. You see, Boston believed in Bowman more than Bowman believed in Bowman. Bob Bowman borrowed Ralph Boston's faith for six seconds. And in six seconds, he obliterated the record and he reached a goal that no one had ever reached before. And you see, that's what I'm looking for today. Somebody's watching you. You may have made mistakes, but guess what? Somebody's watching to see if you will arise, if you will dust yourself off and say, I'm not going to let yesterday's mistakes keep me from serving God today. I will do what is right. I will correct my course and I will become a living testimony to the grace of Jesus Christ and I will change for his glory. Pastor Don, we're not going to help you preach because we're afraid you're going to keep preaching. Have I not told you if you say amen, I preach faster. Let me say that again. I'm not going to live the way I've lived before. I'm going to become a testimony of the glory of God. Amen. That's what I've come to preach to you today. It's not that we do what we do not to earn God's grace, but in view of God's mercies. We climb up there. Here's what God spoke to me in the difference between the first service, the second service, and the third service. This is what I want you to see. When you climb upon the altar and you begin to sacrifice your ways, listen to me. How many know that the cross is a lonely place. The cross is singular, but the altar is not. When you climb upon the altar and you begin to offer up your life the way that is true worship, you better watch out because somebody's watching you and you better get ready to scoot over because instead of you trying to get off the altar, you're going to find somebody else inspired to get on the altar. And before long, you'll be linked arms with other believers who believe that God can do something greater in this generation. Why? Because as you step out in faith, they borrow your faith. And then somebody borrows their faith. And when you get enough faith to together. God still moves. He still parts Red Seas. He still walks on the water. He still brings his children through. Why? Because somebody loaned somebody else some faith. Amen. (laughs) Pastor Don, you're just preaching now. No, I'm not. I'm done. I've got half a sermon left. Quite frankly, I didn't like that half. It's simply like it could be said in this. How will people mimic you? If you're stingy, they'll be repelled by you. But if you're generous, they'll want to be like you. If you lead well, they will follow you. And if you do it with a happy heart, they will rejoice with you. 
Stand with me today. I'm looking for some Bob Bowmans who say, I need to learn. But I'm also looking for some Ralph Bostons who say, come on, I'll help you learn. You see, it's time for us to all make up our minds. Are we going to become who God's called us to be? Pastor Don, you don't understand the level of my mistakes. No, you don't understand. Listen to me. You don't understand the level of God's faithfulness. He will meet you right where you are. And if you'll just lift up your eyes, not upon your faults, but upon his faithfulness, you can stand your ground. You can become all that God's called you to be. Hold on a minute, Pastor. You didn't beat us with a word. We don't feel corrected. Trust me, I'll get there in the next couple weeks. Today, I want you to feel inspired. I want you to start running for Jesus. And I want you to jump. I want you to fly. I want you to inspire others. I want you to become what God has called you to be. You are not called to be a second-rate version of who you used to be. You are called to be the body of a living Son of God. The Christ has chosen you as His bride, and you cannot faithfully follow Him and live in darkness. Come into the light. Serve Him. Bow your heads with me in this place. Every head bowed and every eye closed. God is with us. God is for us. God has chosen us right here, right now. You say, Pastor Don, my faith is weak and I need God to strengthen my faith. Can I see your hand today? If that's you, hands all over this place. Thank you, thank you. Put those down, put them down. I'm going to ask you one more simple question today. Maybe you're watching, maybe you're present. But maybe you've never begun to fly the way that God has called you to do. You've never become what God has chosen you to be. God's ministering to people in this place right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Come on, just keep your, keep your attitude of prayer for just a moment. I'm about to talk with you. Just a moment more. Just a moment more. God's here. God's here. God's here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Looking around this room, seeking the face of God. Oh, hallelujah. Pastor Michelle, if you would help me right here just for a second. Thank you, Jesus. God is so good. God is so faithful. He's meeting people right where they are. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I need to commit my life to Jesus Christ. And all I've ever been told is how I would fall and I would fail and I never dreamed that I could become something better. I never dreamed that God would want me to serve Him. Well, if that's you today, I want to walk this with you. I want to put my arm around you and tell you, this is how you're going to serve Jesus. Not by anything you've done, but by accepting what He's done for your life. By receiving His gift. Receiving the hope that comes from Christ. This is our great joy. 
If that's you today, I just want you to say, Pastor, today I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, can I just see your hand right where you are? I'm going to pray for you just like I'm going to pray for the others who raised their hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any who join with these three right now watching all over this room? Watching all over this room. Thank you. All right. Four, five, thank you. All right. Anybody else quickly before we pray? This is your moment. This is your time. This is your hour. Thank you. Thank you. Six, seven. Are there others? This is your moment. All right. This is what the Bible says we must do. With an attitude of faith, believing. I'm going to loan you some faith right now. I'm loaning it to you. That right now as you pray with me, as we're going to all loan them some faith and pray with them, we're, we're, we're giving them equity of faith as the body of Christ. Right now, as they pray this prayer of faith, the Bible says, by confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead, they're going to be born again. I want you all to pray with me as you repent of your sins and Jesus receives you as his own. All of you in this place, let's, let's loan them our faith by praying with them. Let's pray together. Jesus, by faith, now I confess I cannot fix myself. I am broken. I am a sinner. But in Jesus' name, Heavenly Father, I receive your grace. And now I declare from this moment forward that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. I believe that God raised him from the dead and he lives forevermore. And now by faith, God is my father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my savior. Father, I thank you that these seven have joined with literally thousands who have prayed in this place since this sanctuary was established. I pray for your grace, your kindness, and your goodness to be upon them. And for everyone who raised their hand and said, I need God to help my faith. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're going to send them the right inspiration so they can borrow that faith. The right people in front of them to lead them, to guide them, so that they might grow stronger and healthier in you. Father, I thank you for what you have done and you're going to do in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.